and he built a sculpture for some YouTube artist called Ten Hundred. Not somebody I follow. Oh, I know the. I know that spent, YouTube channel. Yeah. Yeah, he spent five. Apparently, spent five hundred hours carving this sculpture, and I think I think, suspect a lot of that was actually sanding. Well, we had a few accidents, yeah. so the bits broke off. It's, it's quite an interesting video, kind of to sort of see how. That's yeah. that's what like underlings are for for doing the sanding and finishing yeah do you watch a lot of uh, art youtubers because he is just like purely he's an artist he just paints and draws and stuff i don't i don't i, I mean i catch nerdforge, I yeah. nerdforge try and watch is... try and watch their stuff mm. but that's quite a, that's a mix of art and making and you know just crazy Art is making andy we've had this episode before we have yes <laughs> i i like their miniatures you know where they do the miniature worlds in you know like in a bookshelf or something yeah and dioramas really cool. yeah and stick a computer yeah. inside it or mm, yeah yeah the book See, i used to do a lot of painting before woodworking uh i used to i think before i found woodworking i want to be an artist so i kind of i watch a few youtubers that do painting and stuff there's a guy called slew who has done a few collabs mm. with 1000 and he he he's just a, an amazing painter. He does lots of oil paintings and acrylic paintings, and I just find it amazing that when someone paints like a portrait so realistically. Because I can do, yeah. I can draw hands or I can draw buildings or flowers, but I just cannot do a face or anything like that. So seeing someone do like a, an accurate, you know, drawing or painting of a face is pretty crazy to me. I totally agree. I mean, it's difficult enough taking a photo of one and then putting it into Photoshop and making it look like a like a black and white painting sort of thing. But then to see someone yeah. just there for a couple of hundred hours drawing and making that is just insane. It's been a few recently where they've uh, gone viral on Reddit and things where there's you know people putting the finishing touches and then zooming out and it, it just being you know, like a life-sized photorealistic thing. Yeah. I like seeing that on TikTok Witchcraft. and uh, stuff where it's... Because these things take hours to do, but when they condense mm. it into a very short video, you just see, like, the yeah. starting point, and then suddenly they zoom out, yeah, and you've got this whole sort of photorealistic drawing. Yeah. They deserve to get a lot of these, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's a hell of a lot of skill involved. Yeah. It is. I saw. I saw a clip earlier. I think. I think it was a. Uh, it was a reel. I think on, and it showed somebody. Take, they had this hair, literally a pair or a thread or something, and they were, they were, pushing it through some oil paint on a palette knife. Grey paint, and then they showed it, and it was kind of curling up, the kind of way a, a hair tends to curl, and then they laid it against, this picture they'd already been you didn't see the whole picture but you saw kind of it was then clearly gray hair and they pulled it off and the uh, the, the left behind this sort of single gray hair uh, extra okay. bit and then they kind of zoomed out and this yeah hyper realistic portrait mm. yeah. and literally doing individual hairs by using kind of what looked like a hair or curly oh, piece yeah. of thread witchcraft when i get a, a house i think i'm going to be doing a lot of the artwork myself because you don't depend obviously i'm not going to be doing the that hyper realistic stuff but you can do 
you know, you know when you go to an art gallery and you, you look at something and go, well, I can do that. You know, like really no splashing paint <laughs> against a canvas type of art. It is actually Some would just easy. call that plastering. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm going to do that. I've seen some like really easy to do, but very effective, you know, like pieces of art. I, there's a guy I follow on Instagram. I don't know. I forgot his name. I just like follow a lot of people that I, I see on the reels. But he basically gets a piece of paper normally a black piece of paper and he'll fold it you know do a lot of repeat folds like you know like a, an accordion then you can open it back out and then you get lots of like uh, fold marks and yeah. then he'll get a white spray paint can and tilt it at an angle and sort of like hold the piece of paper up and just like spray back and forth so if you can imagine a piece of paper that has lots of folds in the white is only sticking to half of half of the mm -hmm. you know the you know the peaks in the folds mm. so then once he's done that he then turns it over irons the back to like flatten it out again and then just like the effect it gives at the end of just it looks like folded paper but it's obviously flat you know and it's got mm. lots of white um, marks on it and it's, it looks so simple to do but it's a really cool effect i want to try that yeah so what would you so what would you put in your house because i mean obviously you'd have a workshop and you've got, um, I mean, at the moment, because you live at your parents, don't you? So you've, you've, I do. We yeah. know from watching your videos, you've got a, a, a fairly good size workshop. Yeah. Garage. And then you've got a, a, a wood store, which you built. But what yeah. would you, what, so what if your dreamish house, so you're buying your first house, assuming you're not just buying the kind of the, the smallest two up, two down to, you, know, you just get onto the, the, the mortgage is, ladder, yeah. what would you, well, what are we talking about dream house or a realistic house? You, you know. <laughs> Step, so two, somewhere in the middle. Two, somewhere in the middle. Very far apart. I, yeah, somewhere I in the middle. The issue is it's going to be very difficult to get a house, you know, my first house to be something where, like, you know, a workshop would be on, you know, attached to it or the same same property, you know. I, I have envisioned myself probably to be renting, you know, the workshop space and then, you know, uh, be in a, a, a flat or, you know, rent rent uh an apartment or something um but yeah i would think you, would you prefer to have a rented a workshop space so you can separate your work or would you rather have it so yeah seven o'clock in the morning you decide ah i've woken up and i've worked out how to solve that problem you can just dive straight into the workshop and start something it's a good question i've always wanted my workshop to be uh on you know attached or the same bit of land you know so it's like very close mm -hmm. um uh talking to my girlfriend she does not want that she wants uh, she wants work <laughs> to be separate you know <laughs> um but i think i do love the idea of just you know you know just want just it's a short walk to the workshop that's a mm. good like dream and also just sometimes you have an idea at night and you just want to go into the workshop and you know make it or let's just say a lot of the time i'm just working late and you want uh you you know you don't want to be an hour drive if if you want a late night if you've got to finish something it'd be nice just yeah. to go straight back home um so yeah that is a dream to for it to be on this you know right next to the house but i think obviously in the end priority is size you know if it means that if i had it next to my house but it's very small then it it wouldn't be right i'd need i'm sort mm. of outgrowing the space i'm in currently uh so 
yeah, I think it would be getting a bigger space so then I can make bigger projects. Not that I want to make bigger things. I don't want to make kitchens or anything, but just like a dining room table or a table would be, it's, you know, it's it, it's, it's difficult. It, you know, it's you a big piece of furniture and you've, you've got to be able Ooh. to get around it. And yeah, yeah. If it's crammed in. I mean, you probably could make one in, in the space you have, but then it would probably be, A, you, would, you wouldn't be able to do anything else. And be, <laughs> yeah. It would be actually probably dangerous to kind of... I mean, you could take the Al's Hack Shack approach of make <laughs> the extension to your workshop the size of the table that you're building and then climb on and off the table when you need to get to the other <laughs> end of it. Yeah, I think I, I do have actually have a, a big commission coming up that is going to be uh, a challenge to make in the workshop. And the, the walnut desk I just made was pushing the limits on how big I can make something. I think when you get to that big, I have to make it modular. Obviously, like the, the walnut mm -hmm. desk was made in parts. And if I were to make a dining room table, that the design would be, you know, obviously the legs come apart so I can work on the legs and then the top. But yeah, the dream would be eventually having a a large space so then you can just walk around <laughs> the table freely there's some like huge shops in america that look at incredible yeah. uh yeah, like who's is it mike farrington he has his workshop's called the boardroom or something he's got a nice <laughs> nice big uh workshop that you know that'd be nice one of those <laughs> workshops with a house attached rather than a house with a workshop attached <laughs> yeah yeah and and also, uh, it's funny, actually, I was going to say Frank Howworth's workshop, because he's got a big mm. workshop, but he's yeah. also similar to me and just filled it with a lot of stuff. So actually, it's a huge space, but he's probably not got a lot of space in it because he just filled so many tools in it. I think he would find space, though, if he wanted to make a dining room table. I, I mean, he's got enough machines that are of the same height that he could just make a, a large workspace to build it. Yeah, um, he has made some he has quite a... big pieces. Yeah, yeah. What what what's the large large piece he made? I keep on seeing him make you know like bowls and Christmas ornaments, but I can't picture. I mean, he's made pieces. he's made various sort of. Uh, I, mean, I haven't watched all his videos, but I, I, he's made like entire like sort of modular and... systems of storage yeah. to kind of. Fill That's up true. He did his pantry, didn't things he? Things like that. Yeah, he did. that yeah. was a good. Yeah. Was a good yeah. I think, I think it's, that's it's... one of the first times I learn about uh the french cleat system i think was that i think i did learn it from him one of his videos because he likes french cleats um mm. i was like oh yeah i never thought of doing it that paul way. jackman's old 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 workshop that that got me onto french cleats just from he had like a a wall of them that just had everything in uh so he sort of it was he had like a little room i think and it was just the whole outside of this room was just clad in the in the french cleats top to bottom yeah and then everything was just stored on this this kind of thing in the corner oh, when it is idea. all done like the full length of the wall it actually then does turn into quite a nice feature you know it looks quite yeah. nice in the repeat lines so it's actually it's not an eyesore i don't think you know having french cleats yeah we, we made a feature out of it when we did our workshop we did you know it's all all white walls and then we did uh black french cleats um Ooh. you know made made a feature of it and then covered it with non-uniform colors of all sorts of different types of tools and <laughs> random scraps of wood and it made it look atrocious but when when there was nothing on it it looked great <laughs> yeah. 
I've, n- I've never done French cleats. I, I attempted to cut some board at once, but the, the table saw I was using was not set up. The fence wasn't set up properly. And mm-hmm. I ended up with a very ununiform 45 degree cut. <laughs> um, so I kind of went, yeah, can't be bothered with that. So I tend to cut, I kind of, and what I've been doing with the, the men's shed lately is it was, it was props, perhaps a perfect opportunity to kind of go down the French cleat line. But the, the hand tool wall they've got is just some old ply shuttering. And it's, it's three quarter inch thick. It's solid. It, it's it's great. And I literally, the, they'd had just cup hooks across the entire thing. So every single tool was in a couple of, apart from screwdrivers, they had a couple of battens, with just three blocks, one at each end, kind of create a space for yeah. anything to slot into. And it was just like, yeah, there was no, there wasn't a, although they'd attempted um sort of doing shadow walls you know, things were getting mixed up and it was just like mm. so i've gone for right i'm just going to create things to hold just the tools they need so there's a screwdriver block for phillips yeah. screwdriver, well, crosshead screwdrivers so phillips and posi drivers sort of two sides there's only enough holes for the ones that we need and it can be taken off the wall or repositioned just by screwing it onto the wall so the the it has infinite variability rather than just on the the lines of the yeah cleat. Do you just see lots of like holes though left in the wall? There will be, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, we so had not deal. Yeah, I did French cleat once in a workshop to um, put up my toolbox, and because it's attached to the house, the we've got like a gravel wall, you know, it's like a, it's not even at all. Kind of... Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really, you know, it's not flush, it's a bit wobbly, uh, but it's still up, you know, and uh, and also the, the shelves, I made some shelves in the workshop that are also on that, what do you call it? Uh, the wall? Pebble dash. Yeah, so I'm not a builder. Pebble dash, okay. It's that. <laughs> and, um, and just you know the l brackets are out just like don't have yeah yeah (laughs) and and it's just it's a bit wobbly but but then i screwed in a piece of plywood on top of the all the l brackets so i joined them all together so that sort of is made a bit more rigid so but i I loaded up you know there's it's taken a lot of weight so one day i worry that it's going to come off but maybe i'll be out of the (laughs) workshop by that time yeah, it's one of those things that was it was a uh, a great way to hide a badly built wall just render it and then just press a load of crap gravel into it and then yeah. no one's any the wiser until you try and hang something off it and yeah, and yeah. It's... on the outside it looks nice our house looks nice with the, that that texture in but in a workshop environment yeah <laughs> Yeah, a friend of mine was describing the same problem the other day. He he's got a a garage workshop that's attached to that. That was, you know, it was built after the house was. So one yeah. internal wall of his workshop is that. So yeah, so uh... exactly the same. Yeah, I've actually mm-hmm. got a bit of a nightmare in my workshop that I don't really say on. Uh, I haven't said on YouTube actually. I've got a few nightmares with the workshop actually. <laughs> um, so basically, our driveway. So. What, where should I start? Okay, so our driveway, we just got like a, 
we could park a car in front of our house, but it's on a slant. So when it rains, uh, rain from the road and the driveway goes into the garage. Okay. So it's, Um... it floods, it floods all the time. And we have a soak away. So if you ever seen, you may have seen, if you really look carefully and some of my videos at the near the garage door, you've got a, a big tile on the floor. Uh, people probably think, why is he just constantly just got a tile on the floor? That's actually like covering a pit, uh, a soakaway pit. So, and if that wasn't there, you'd actually fall down, you know, hurt, hurt your leg. But that's meant to, it doesn't do what it's intended to do. It's meant to like let the water just like soak away, but it's only like that deep and with heavy rain, it fills up very quickly. And then before you know it, the whole workshop floor is wet. So you can't keep anything on the floor. Uh, I recently got a pump uh, so that when it does happen, I can pump water out. But the pump, if you've ever seen these automatic, because I could be asleep when it rains, you know, the, this yeah. pump has like a float where the lead, so it's got this float and the lead is about half a meter long. Okay, which is the most stupid design in the world because it literally it will it will rise at the same level as the water. This pump, and by the time it gets you know seventy, uh, what am I saying? Uh, seventy centimeters from the water, when it gets vertical, it will turn on. So it's basically if anyone has this pump in their house, they're basically saying, "Well, let it flood until you know seventy centimeters high, and then the pump will turn on," which is just it, I just don't know why it doesn't have like a sensor, you know, at the bottom or just like a little flotation little device up. right at the yeah. bottom. Yeah. So mm. then when it literally the water gets that high, it turns on. It literally has to be this high. And that is the case. I haven't like read the instructions wrong. It's just a poor design. Uh, and I they, like so many pumps seem to have the same, you know, you know, automatic turn on system. So I, I just don't get it. Anyway, I've sort of devised a way of shortening the the you know the length but it does get caught a lot on the on because it's in this pit you know it gets caught on the wall sometimes doesn't turn on so it floods that's the first issue and the second issue is we had a leak in the roof we had lots of leaks in the in the roof so we had to get that that the whole roof replaced because uh, it was like leaking onto the machines and the cast iron was rusting uh, so, oh, it's a nightmare and then now another issue. Is never fun. <laughs> yeah and the latest issue that is literally just happening last few months is i've got you know, I'm pretty sure it's rising damp because uh, it's such an old building. We don't have like a, um, what is it called? Uh, something coarse layer. Damp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we mm. don't have that. So I think it's rising damp. Could just be, you know, like uh, old bricks and it's, you know, just a damp wall from the outside. But I'm pretty sure it's damp because there's, you know, there's salt on the wall and it's like, looks like it's rising <laughs> from the ground. Um, so I just, I'm not sure if you, you follow is it skill builder i think it's them mm-hmm. uh they do a lot they've done a few helpful videos on uh this it's called dry rod where you drill a hole into the brick yeah. and you put this rod in and it sort of like reacts and freezes all the water in place and then we'll stop it so i'm going to be doing that next week uh and then they said in a few months time it will be fixed a few months uh, hopefully it'll, <laughs> it'll be a bit quicker than that but doing yeah. it over winter as well it'll be uh yeah, is that a bad idea? It I just might it? just last a bit longer. Yeah, it's not nice. It just looks like it looks like it's not mold, but it just when you know the you've got mm-hmm. a damn wall and you've got paint on it, and then it starts, you know, the yeah. salt starts appearing. It just doesn't look nice, and it's like 
uh looks like just the walls decaying away and it's a, you know, <laughs> touching my finishes and everything oh god i'm obviously yeah, very lucky got... with the space i have but you know it does have it has got it's given me a lot of issues this is the thing with yeah you, you kind of hear when you see people's workshops on online we, we rarely get to hear about those problems because it yeah it, doesn't necessarily make good some people make good content out of it because they go hmm. oh no the workshop's falling down i need to get repaired yeah and whatever yeah. And they make a kind of whole series about it but yeah it's the reality isn't it it's the reality of of, of having a workshop yeah, i thought that would be just... a very good clickbait uh title one day my workshop's flooded or like my workshops i don't know <laughs> like uh yeah, it's ruined or collapsed or something, but it would be a bit anticlimactic when I just said, "Oh no, don't worry." I got a bucket and it's it's clean. <laughs> also, though, it does affect the wood, though. You know, when I'm making something, the, the moisture levels in the workshop are just uh, not mm. consistent. I've got a friend that has a constantly has a dehumidifier in it uh, and a heater that are on like a timer so his projects won't warp uh, i seem to like get away with it for some reason i think i just like deal with it um and then fix it if, I, if if something goes wrong but yeah it's not the best environment for fine woodworking i think the, the only thing that is uh allows me to do it is because i got the timber store it's the same climate as the workshop and I let the wood settle there for quite a long time. If I just like bought the wood and started making a project, you know, straight away, it just uh, then it would warp a lot. But because I let the wood settle throughout the project, uh, it's I don't really get any issues. Yeah. Would well, there be issues cheating. then when it moves on to a client when it, they take it into their central heated home or office? Good question. I haven't had any issues. <laughs> yeah, no one's contacted me. Um, I no, I I think it's is is yeah, hasn't been that bad actually. I I just basically every project. Maybe it's because I'm really slow, but the, the wood does have a lot of time to, you know, settle and get all the stresses come out out the board. Um, I made a end grain box once. Uh, where I had like all the inlay was end grain, which was a, an effect I was trying to experiment with because I haven't seen anyone do that. I did have issues with that uh, cracking, um, but I just explained to the client that you know this process is like this is a, a new thing. You know, like it's like this is not normally done. You know, end grain. You know, a tabletop mm. being made out of end grain or something. It's like if you had a co a cookie coffee table, it's going to split. So I did yeah. explain, you know, that is, you know, when you've got an engrained piece, you probably had, it's, it's all part of the, you know, the character. You had to expect it to crack a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> it's one of the problems with wood, isn't it, really? Yeah, it, but it's also one of the beauties of wood. Yeah, it, that's, yeah, that idea of natural material. Mm. And yeah, I think, I can't imagine I'm ever going to make a sort of a dining table, partly because we've got a good dining table that, Made mostly made of wood, and want to it works. It. Yeah, it works, and yeah. uh, but I can, yeah, just that whole kind of sort of thing of, yeah, if it, you put bedboards on the end, and how do you fix it to the top, and yeah, a lot of people just kind of, oh, I've, I've got this board, I'm just going to screw it straight on, and then wonder why things are sort of twisting, and, and yeah. it's, it's, I mean, it's such a, I mean, it's, it, 
it's such a dark art in his way, in a way as well. Complex science is another way of talking about that. When you know every wood behaves differently depending on the humidity, depending on the the temperatures, the variation in and on the way it grew, in temperatures, how it grew, how mm. it's been processed, what you've stuck it with, what's the general climate. Yeah, there's so much to it. There is so much to it. And another thing I think that stumps people is. You can do the best, um, you know, milling, you know, you can, you know, planing it and then you can let it settle. But it's also the way you make the project, like you were saying, you know, breadboard ends, even veneering. I do a bit of veneering um, and, you know, it's just little things like when you're veneering a board, you have to veneer both sides. Otherwise, it will cup upwards. I think some people um, I can't think of any other example, but situations like that, I think it's also the way you make the project will affect if it uh something happens to it you know down the line if it cracks or if it warps could be the way you made it not because you know the wood was uh not mm. wet still or or you know you didn't let it settle yeah, yeah I had that was some skirting board once I, I painted primed one side and painted it before sticking it up and then kind of let it dry and came back to a skirting board that was kind of sort of almost c-shaped well, kind of more of an L, but yeah, kind of yeah. cursive yeah. script L. But it's like, oh, great! It's like, I've done, uh, yeah, I've I've had a lot of mistakes in the past when I was, but that's a good thing about you know when you're younger and you're try trial and error and you're learning every every mistake you learn from. I finished a project too early before it was still the wood was still a bit wet. And then it just did not believe the amount it walked. It was just not usable, the table. It was like a cowboy hat because I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I chair. yeah, I should have turned into it. it. It was ridiculous. It was because I just, it was sort of cheap timber making it, um, uh, cheaply for a friend, but it was just in a rush on a weekend. And then we finished it that weekend. And when we took it to his house, it just bowed so much. We, um but yeah you learn uh, with these things definitely i suppose that that's probably why people will go to the to the big giant swedish store and get a nice cardboard box with a with a complete thing and a, a set of very allen bendy keys. allen keys <laughs> <laughs> talking about ikea i'm getting into a bit of flat pack stuff uh, i want to yeah. kind of like yeah, I think when you say flat pack, people, you know, tense yep. up a bit. Um, <laughs> but I think there is a market for high end flat pack stuff, you know. Um, mm. uh, and I think, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to change the market, change, you know, you know, uh, and, you know, dominate like Ikea or anything. But I think I've got a few designs that I want to try, like coffee tables and boot racks, um, but in a flat pack style. And I think that's going to be um, easier on me in terms of postage, because that's when you're a mm, yeah. furniture maker, it is a nightmare with I've I've had issues with, you know, uh, just renting vans to deliver things or paying a courier. And uh, I quite like the idea of, you know, packaging something in a box and, you know, sending it like in a flat pack thing. Uh, so it's easier on me, but also I think not that everyone's dying for my furniture, but if viewers want, you know, my stuff, if it's flat pack, it would be a cheaper price. You know, more people could have one of my coffee mm -hmm. tables if I uh, can sell it for a couple hundred rather than, you know, a couple of thousands, you know, 
for mm. a handmade coffee table. Um, but yeah. So would, I, would you I, go I, for sort of flat pack that then is static when done, or would you do something that's you know sort of knockdown so that you could feasibly take it apart again? So the two designs I have is so far. Maybe I'll make more in the future. I've got a boot rack that is, um, and you'll probably see this very soon. Uh, I don't have a picture of it now, but it's like um, a through through tenon, you know, wedge joint. So they, mm -hmm. so it's quite decorative the joints because it's all wedged, and the client yeah. can put it together themselves. You don't need any glue. There's two shelves, two sides. Each shelf has two through mortises and then they come with wedges that you you hammer in so very easy to assemble i think it's quite a cool design because how many pieces of furniture in your house are actually you know got wedge joinery in it, in it? um yeah. so I, it, I, think... I was thinking because that makes it a lot easier for someone to take it to another place you know yeah exactly so you can, they can pull it apart uh, again yeah yeah they can disassemble it and the coffee table i have in mind is just done with um allen key bolts hex bolts in an insert a threaded insert so pretty easy to assemble um and i, th I think <laughs> i'm not gonna sell it as oh it's gonna be fun to make you know like a jimmy the you know <laughs> flat pack thing um but you know they can do it themselves you don't need any skill or anything and mm. um it will be a very functional piece of furniture that i think would be quite a cool design you know yeah. nice I, th I think it's marketing that for sure. I yeah, think that idea of accessibility, yeah, because even if you, it's good, like I say, it's easy for you to send something that's flat packed. Yeah. But that means it's also, it's cheaper for you to send it flat packed, which means it's cheaper for the client just in terms of, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, you can have this you know, coffee table. It's going to, you know, it's going to be 800 pounds. Oh, and another 200 for the, for the, for the to arrive. And that's what it is. When I'm making like full pieces that obviously on, you know, on modular, you've got to make a crate. And like, I've had postage. I've had a couple of people contact me from America. And I said, one of them is actually going through, you know, but he's happy to spend like 500 pounds on postage. Um, but, you know, so, you know, and I've, I've had one person say from America, they wanted eight chairs. And I, I knew immediately, this is probably not, this is not, when I tell him, do you know I'm in the UK? <laughs> you know, because I think at that time I quoted it would be like six hundred pounds to send a, each chair, you know, and he was probably expecting that to be the cost of the chairs in, themselves, and then obviously that uh, fell through in the end. But I just knew I think that is the issue of like obviously well, being online. It is expensive to send, want. isn't it? That's, yeah. that's yeah. the that's the struggle because it's you say if it, if it was something that was the same the same weight of thing but just less air in the packaging it's it's a fraction of the cost isn't it yeah it's also packaging takes a long time i made a uh, mm -hmm. a um, a bench and the crate i had to make a wooden crate for it and that took that took like half a day a day to do because uh, i've got to cut the plywood you know and, and school together and they probably don't want to pay for the postage and the time it took for you to make the crate for, for the yeah. thing um so you know i really hope this 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 flat pack stuff um does well because you know i, I like i like the idea of having my own like product because a lot of the stuff i've been doing is commissions one-off um and i haven't really pushed my own designs yet 
Uh, well, I have my own designs, but, uh, you know, I'm, they're not, you know, like batchable type of stuff. So I quite mm. like the idea of, you know, selling these, these flat pack stuff. I just had a thought talking about um, making it yourself. I was talking to my girlfriend who does, she does marketing. And she was talking about how, you know, these, <laughs> this is a complete change of topic, but I talk about making stuff at home. Um, <laughs> you know, you know um, these sort of like pre-made brownie mixes, like Eagle yeah. Alex mixes, um, you can, and I was thinking, would the client get enjoyment out of making a coffee table at Boot Rack? You know, like how much involvement do they want to have in it? You know, do they just want to, get out of the box and it's done or will they enjoy the process of making it uh, and she was telling me about actually the these brownie mix companies used to be just add water and mm -hmm. you got the mix and they found that actually the people that were making it this was apparently a long time ago when these were it's like in the 50s i think yeah 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 and they said that in the 70s yeah they said housewives wanted to feel like they were cooking and not just like got this pre-made thing so they reduced the recipe down and made it so that you had to add an egg and you had to add a bit of oil and water. And then apparently the just cells went through the roof because it felt like they were yeah. actually baking. Um, so it's obviously it's not really connected to furniture, but that's, that is really interesting that they actually made it easier on themselves. You know, the Cadbury's, you know, that make the brownie mix that, you know, they don't, they, it costs them less money because they don't need to add the egg substitute or something. Yeah. And the, the cells have gone up because people are, feel like they're baking maybe with the flat pack stuff they'll feel like they're making the the coffee table themselves i don't know well, it quite i think that's the thing there's, there's a lot of that in that kind of marketing thing you know even with this like uh the toothpaste sales and you know the the um like the the chewing gums um you know everyone knows that you take two out of the chewing gum packet because that's what the advert shows yeah it's only intended to be you know one uh you know there's loads of like little things like that where the the marketing has just just changed our perception enough to make everything fit a little bit nicer for us like so that that, that cake mix is a, a brilliant example of that of you know kind of trying to be too useful to the client or the customer and them just not fully realizing that it's you know uh yeah it's easier yeah. so, on them. So leave out the threaded inserts. Don't insert them. <laughs> yeah. Pack it with threaded inserts. So they've got to send them a board of plywood and so make it yourself. <laughs> I think they, they, surprisingly, no, do you know what? I, that's not a that's not a terrible idea. Just yeah, get a, a packet of little bag, a ziploc bag of inserts, but uh I stripped out a few inserts, you know, like pushing them in, you know, to this this hole. So I thought, you know, well, I think I should probably if I uh need a per bit of effort into doing it i won't let a non-maker attempt it and ruin the board <laughs> you know but there's got to be a way i mean there's, i mean there are different types of sort of lockdown connectors aren't they you know, mm. like some of the sort of peanut ones some of them you if you've cut the slot is it the lamello one that peter millard's used that kind of creates like a slot and there's a sliding piece you know if it's what sort of thing yeah they can, they can you know you use the 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 cutter that cuts the slot all you have to do is kind of push the thing in and yeah that's true have you but seen if those it's not... sorry uh, have you seen those inserts where they're got an insert it's like a t-shape and they've got some like teeth those spikes that you just hit in 
you just you drill a hole and then make a yes. slightly wider hole with a force in a bit and then it's yeah. just like got you know prongs that you hammer in. yeah how strong are those so don't you have to secure the bolt from the other side so it pulls it yes. down okay well, so, so yeah so, can... so, there are different types but some of them yeah if you were to use the ones with the little spikes from the same side they would pull out yeah that's my issue they're generally used from the other side and they're, they're immensely strong i mean they're the sort of things used on like climbing frames for for children yeah well so... i yeah if it was if if i was securing it from the other side then that would be a much easier way of attaching these legs but it's not they're, they're every all the attachments from underneath so i had the insert has to be underneath and the legs you know underneath so so far i've just got one of these um inserts that you put in with a an add key a big add yeah. key yeah the that, screwing ones yeah yeah i i i think they're all right i like i've i've used inserts before that you put in with a flathead screwdriver and they're a nightmare have you tried that they just don't go in straight it's you don't get any like even pressure on it but these hex head ones whatever you call them um seem to be working so far so custom uh, let's, let's face it the only the only I'm not even sure if it is the only good application for uh, flathead screws. Is is yeah, the the light sockets and yeah, not yeah. light sockets, the uh, stuff. yeah, light decorative light switches, stuff as well. Though. Light switches, things like that. Yes, mm. yeah, like hinges. All my like boxes, I they look nice with like the brass hinges. All restoration work. But yeah, I hate them. I wouldn't use them for anything else. Talking about inserts, have you seen Ramper Tech inserts in? I think they're in America or Canada or something. No. They're, you know, Canadian the... woodworks on YouTube? Magnetic ones, are they? No, they're just basically really high quality inserts, but the thread is they've got either a double thread or three threads. So literally, it's impossible for it to go in at a slight angle. Um, all the other inserts yeah. I've used in the UK are just one thread, you know, and you like mm. put it in with a hex thing, and sometimes you, it goes off. But these they're mm. called Ramper Tech, and apparently they've just got multiple threads. So you put it in with a you can drill it in, or you can do it by hand, and they just go in really straight. Uh, they cost a bit of money, but they're definitely the highest quality inserts I've seen. Maybe I get those. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the, the the magnetic ones that um the the hidden fasteners for? Joining boards and things like that. The yeah, Lamello have a hidden one. Is it? Is that the one you're talking about? Or it's it's you, they they have like um, it's like a, a a screwed thing, but it's all driven by a, a magnetic box that you attach to your screwdriver. So yeah, I have seen that. I've never area. used it. Yeah, they're, they're ridiculous. I mean, it, they look amazing, but the insane amount of money just to completely hide a fastener. How strong is it? It seems to be pretty strong because it's it's a it's a screwed fastener. It's just that it's embedded in both sides, and then you you're using magnets to drive this hidden. But screw. I also wonder though, because think about the amount of torque you're getting from like an impact driver. You know, when you're screwing something in, a mm -hmm. magnet. How can a magnet turn something? You know, do you know what I mean? That is under tension. You're like really strong. It like that. Well, I think because it's it's like machine screws. It's 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 essentially like turning a a nut on a bolt but with yeah witchcraft and magnets i'd love to see a demonstration there must be in one of these shows, yeah there must be someone doing a demonstration there's a lot of videos of them uh you know kind of people 
showing like cutaways and using see-through versions of the fasteners and stuff oh, okay. to, to kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. show what it looks like. And it is, yeah, yeah, crazy witchcraft. It, I, I mean, just I've always been amazed when you can compare kind of the what's available from uh, Screwfix and, and the and the like to what's available from one of the kind of the, the good quality hardware providers mm. and you kind of sort of you know, instead of kind of one page of knockdown fittings or, or half a page of knockdown fittings and threaded inserts you you get kind of your know, 15 pages just of different types of threaded inserts and yeah you know, another sort of five pages just for hidden knockdown fittings and does make it a bit yeah. difficult to find what you want sometimes you know <laughs> <It does. laughs> you know i i was looking i forgot what i was looking for it feels like a bounce or blade once this is a long time ago uh and some of these websites you know how you've got a length of the bounce or blade you've got the width then you've got the tpi then you've got just like the the range if it's like a high carbon still if it's a ground tooth if this is a back to bands or blade you know yeah um and on this website it had every single band saw you know do you know what i mean like a different listing for every length when actually all you need is five listings for the different you know brands and then once you click on it then you choose your length and your tpi not literally it was hundreds of like different every single different product lengths. code yeah. yeah so anyone getting into woodwork or finding a bandsaw they'd be like what you know there's 300 bandsaw blades but actually there is only one you you know you need but yeah. they didn't it just is i'm very unclear on if they're all different it just they look like all different blades when i first started but actually it's they're all the same blade but just a different length and it depends what bandsaw you got um so yeah, I think some of these sites can be organised a bit better. Have yeah. you ever been to McMaster Car in the US on the, the the website for them? No, it's not something that I've ever ordered from. Country being in the UK, but they uh, they do a lot of um, fixings and fasteners and parts and things as well. And they host all of the CAD for all of the parts on the website. So. For someone like me doing a lot of 3D CAD, I can, you know, all I need such, such a piece of whatever or a, a, a solenoid or a, a specific bearing or something. And I can go to the site, find the, the specific thing, and then download the CAD file for it, which is super useful. But when you go to their site, it is literally like, you know, you, you go for bearings or something, and you've got then every single ever listed possibility for all of the bearings so that you, you have to like filter down through so many layers of yeah you know like uh, well i want the id to be uh, you know eight mil right and i want the od to be 26 mil right okay so we, we want this we want the thickness of that we want this shield and you, you've got to select through so many layers to to bury down oh right okay we've got five of these possible ones which would you want you know it's uh it's yeah. amazing for that kind of real nerdy right down to the nitty-gritty things but say when you just want a thing 
I just want a, I just want a bearing, please. <laughs> yeah, you can imagine the panic some people are like. I, yeah, I've been on those sites before where you know they've got what you want, you just can't find it, and you're like, just... yeah, or you've got the thing in your hand, and you go, I need another one of these. What is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So some of the I mean, some of the British industrial companies suppliers like RS and CPC. Yeah, they're the same. Fine, are, are, are like that. You know, if, if you don't know the exact term, forget it. You're, you're never going to find it. If you how many pins has it got? What's the pitch on the pins? Yeah, it's. I mean, they're just. I, just I think what, what fascinates me about McMaster Car is the way that the, the catalog, the paper catalog, has become almost a cult status thing. Yeah. yeah, you've got this catalogue. It's, it's it's not particularly big, kind of you know, height and and sort of depth, but the thickness of it, it's it's yeah. like yeah, three or four inches deep. But it, they only send it out to customers that have sort of bought enough. You, know, you can't scream. Oh, okay. Yeah, I used to, I used to kind of like kind of yeah, sometimes go online and go, oh yeah, let's get a catalogue from. Yeah, CES electrical yeah. factors, and let's get an RS catalog, and you, let's get a, and you get a stack of catalogs. I, I like sitting in front of a catalog. Yeah, I much yeah, prefer yeah. it to kind of browsing through a a website. Yeah, I'll find the cold, oh, there you go, the cold casters. But you you were mentioning Andy, you were saying how you know you just you you've got this. What is it? Is there must if there's not an app, someone needs to make an app for like you know DIYs or just hardware. <laughs> yeah, because I just downloaded an app for uh, identifying coins. You know, like old coins. Take a picture, it'll tell you what it is and how much it's worth. There should be one where you take a picture of a screw, or because there's a technology mm. there to tell you what screw it is, or or literally just you know a type of wash or a type of any bearing anything you know there's things you don't know the names of these things and then i'll take what it is i think that's a good idea yeah you should should take a a picture of a (laughs) a picture of a ruler next to the thing and then it'll scan through the the screw fix website and the tool station website and then the you know that's that's got to be doable you know ai generated look at all the images until you find the right list he's gonna be the first one out of us three i should have kept that one to myself <laughs> split it 50 50 sure. yeah, yeah my, we'll my, my, code's the... not up, my coding's not up to it i'll let you two click it <laughs> yeah jamie you could do it actually <laughs> yeah. oh i'm definitely gonna sub it out to duncan and kiel i think just, just get, yeah. get the real nerds to do it <laughs> Yeah, you, you you reach out to them and go, yeah, it already exists. Did you know about it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's usually my thing. Is if I, I, you know, when someone says, "Is uh, you know, this would be a great idea," and I, I've usually found it already, and that's that's the thing. And I'm, I'm I've reached the limits of my knowledge quite a lot recently right, to, uh, wow. to to refocus. <laughs> Things I, I I mean, going back to so, yeah, sort of yeah, a, a real physical catalog rather than digital. I used to love. Getting, I mean, I can I can remember back years when I was kind of preteen. My dad was working in safety and security, and he'd, he'd bring back kind of your know, catalogs from providers, and I I just I loved just going through them. And of course, as a kid, you know, going through the kind of the Argos catalog or Grattan catalog yeah. or whatever catalog was around or, or going, Index. Yeah, what that for my, what that for Christmas, and yeah, as a kid. But but then things like you know, the Maplin catalog. Mm-hmm. And I I managed to get hold of uh, from my 
school where I was at school, uh, RS catalog. I just, I spent, you know, like weeks just because it take you weeks <laughs> or when the mapping catalog came out, yeah, it'd be like, yeah, that would be a Saturday afternoon, just completely gone. On your lunch break. Just going yeah, through. Yeah. Just seeing and just seeing what's available. And yeah, the number of times when you kind of, you're trying to, somebody's trying, you're trying to solve a problem with somebody else and they go, oh, there's somebody. Yeah. yeah but there's, you can get a thing for that. What? Can you? Yeah. Because having that kind of knowledge just from going through a catalogue, yeah. it tells you that there's a tool that will do that particular thing. Or there's a particular type of washer that might help instead of the one that's on this device. And you don't get, and it, well, I suppose you can browse through a, a website to do it, but it's not as much fun, I don't think. No, also the thing about flicking through a catalogue is you, when you're on a, online, obviously you've got to search for what you're looking for. With a catalogue, you don't know what you're looking for. You know, you don't know what's on the next page. I'm glad Axminster brought their catalogue back because they stopped it, you know, uh, for a long time. That's a good point. Have you have you seen the new layouts with the screw fix now? Because they've done away with catalogues. Really? Yeah, we were in in there the other day, and it's where the catalogues used to be. It was now a tablet. Screw uh, I think I saw that. Yeah, so, yeah it's all that. just like I'm, I'm not sure if Argus are, but I went into an Argus like last week and I saw tablets there, so I'm not sure they're jumping on the bandwagon or if this was just like a modern Argos. Yeah, got Argos got rid of their catalogue a couple of years ago at least. <laughs> I'm really behind, aren't yeah. I? <laughs> I? I still remember I like being super impressed when they first brought in the little the little punch pad number search thing that would come up you'd have the two catalogs <laughs> there and then the little the little things that you could you could get to the, the digit, six or seven digit number wasn't it yeah yeah and it would tell you if they had it in stock there and then that was that was oh, mind-blowing when they, when they did that granted yeah, that was I'm with you, Andy. i like the flicking through flicking through the podcast and uh, not podcasts uh catalogs my first dt teacher said he loved the the flick through the accidents to one this was when they used they you know they stopped for a while and he yeah. kept an old one uh but you know the mm. products were still online so he he was uh flick through it but then when they brought it out he was so happy <laughs> he emailed me he said did you know that they brought it back you know so yeah, yeah. i mean i, I, I took i'm just going through i was tidying up last week and, and found a few catalogs that I, I, I think the Ad Maxminster one that was from 2018, I think. I was like, I don't really have the space, I'm gonna take it to the men's shed. <laughs> I took it to the men's shed and kind of sort of, you know, sort of say, Let you, Let's put it, can we put this with the books because it might be useful to look things up? And the, uh, the treasurer was like, Yeah, okay, yeah, that seems like a good idea. And and then, yeah, the next time I went, it's like somebody was talking about uh, this uh, one of the guys there is he's doing some carving um it's just it's a bit of an abstract sculpture it's it's an interesting piece he's been working on it for for quite a few weeks yeah he's mostly a little bit of drilling but mostly it's with chisels and gouges and we were talking about he, he just bought a, a little bench for his home just a small one because he hasn't got a huge amount of space and he was sort of asking about well yeah i need to think about clamping yeah what different things yeah how can i sort of 
clamp. I don't really want to put a vice on the front of it. A vice doesn't actually work for a lot of the sort of carvings. A conventional woodworking vice. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't really sort of work. And at least, yeah, I, I need some sort of variety. And I was talking about, well, you know, if you thought about maybe like the MFT style kind of clamps where you've just got to sort of essentially a dog hole or, or ex different types of dogs that you can have in. And you're like, what do you mean? It's like, ah, right, let's have a look at this catalogue. <laughs> like this. Oh, yeah. well, that makes a sort of sense. We can see a picture of it, you know. Mm. I, yeah. Yes, I could have. Well, I did. In fact, we were, at one point we were talking about it and I did pull something up on my phone, but actually kind of having the catalogue was just, yeah, it just, just gave an extra dimension to the kind of conversation and made his understanding of the possible options just like, oh. Actually, there are a variety of options. Well, it's the other yeah. benefit of the catalogue, of course. You can dog ear the corners and circle around the thing that you want and leave it lying around for significant other to find. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you can't do that. You can't do that on a website so much, can you? Well, you can leave the tabs open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean Andy both do that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> It, but it's interesting how those sort of the yeah, others. I think that's a change of experience. I think I, I, I think it's. I think it, it's it's a it's a lost thing, but I think it's almost like magazines. You know, people. I think the kind of the age of the magazine has gone. Mm. And I I used to, I mean, they're too. I, I find them too expensive to buy now. They've got thinner and or maybe that's just my kind of thought on it they've got thinner and they've got more expensive yeah and but i, I used to love kind of yeah i'd get a different magazine each week yeah so with my kind of weekly shop i used to go yeah you know, i'd get a different magazine so yeah one week it'd be like trail walker when i was into backpacking and climbing and stuff like that and then another week it would be you know something like uh i was gonna say hackspace but that's a fairly recent one but yeah you could just be a different woodwork some sort of woodworking thing or whatever and you just get a variety of magazines and it's just a nice to kind of yeah throughout the week there and just flick through read the articles and get through it's just not it's not the same with digital but then digital has that ability you can sort of search for information within a document and i think we've yeah. got so kind of predisposed to like rss feeds and reddit and social media and all these other things that are just essentially the same stuff that you get in a magazine but just automatically fed straight into us rather than having to seek it out and you know i realized the other day i got um a magazine um at make it central fully intended to read it it's been sat kind of like in my kind of eye line to be able to read it the other day i just I still haven't actually opened it up so yeah Get it gone because it's yeah. There's one magazine I I subscribe to actually is the Fine Woodworking one. You know the American woodworking magazine, um, which they also have a online. Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, online copy. Yeah, but it's also Edition. they have. Yeah, it, yeah they have a, like a. Oh, what do you call it? It's not a warehouse. But it's a, oh, it's like, yeah, an archive of all the past magazines yeah. done. So if you subscribe, you can look online at all their past stuff. 
and they also got if you subscribe they've got you know video workshops which are just you know a woodworking video on steroids you know they go in every detail uh which is really good uh and i'm a big fan of the fine woodworking magazine because they do give you quite a bit of inspiration i think i first i obviously know about fine woodworking from youtube and and their instagram but they are like they are american we don't they're American, but I was surprised when I went to the airport a few years ago in W. H. Smith. There was a fine woodworking magazine. Yeah, like, but, but I've never seen it in in the UK. I literally only saw it in the airport. But are they in all W. H. Smiths? Like, I tried to. Depends. I've some I... some will have it. I I just well, I know that some will have it because it it does very it seems to vary with Smiths because some will have. Mm. Yeah, just a, a relatively small wall, and yeah, you know, they've got you know, yeah, two or three Lots of deals, magazines, but... <laughs> and there's there's two or three of each different sort of genre of magazine. But then I've been in a few Smiths where you've kind of you know, you've got you know forty meters of magazines, yeah, and it's yeah it's floor to well not quite the ceiling, but yeah, it's a sort of to to the top shelf, um, yeah, upper reach, and you've just got yeah, just hundreds and hundreds of different magazines. So there'd be like yeah, two or three meters just of woodworking, and there'll be another really? meter of kind of yeah, wood turning, and just where and, yeah, is then... your WH Smith? I need to visit this one. I've never seen. Yeah, this is a local one, but I've been in. I've been in ones that like that, where you've wow. just got you know just extensive arrange and. It, yeah, it's it's nice to see, to see that sort of thing, but yeah, yeah, there is that. I think with the the digital does have that pl big plus of yeah being able to access mm. old yeah, back copies and yeah. you know not having to kind of think all right which one do I have to order and you know in order to get that particular thing that I'm really interested in. Yeah, but you talk about inspiration. I was I was going one of the things I sort of quite be interested to sort of ask you about is kind of you. Know, where do you get your inspiration from? I mean, because some of your furniture is, I think, quite unique. Not that I'm a furniture expert, but it's certainly, yeah, yeah it's very, very... obviously it's fine furniture. It's very refined. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I doubt there's, I, I yeah, oh, well, are there you know, fine woodworkers who create furniture literally out of their brain without previous inspiration? I, or, or like most artists and most makers yeah. where you're taking a bit from there and a bit from there and you're taking kind of well i like curves in this style but i like you know like with a, a table I, I like this type of leg and i think that would work well together and you, you try it and it does and you kind of oh yeah that's now one of my things so i mean you know where do you get your inspiration from apart from fine woodworking yeah it's interesting you mentioned you know uh people you know like from thin air i think it's impossible i don't think anyone in the world uh i don't think there's any artist any creative person in the world that has an idea that is purely just like their own because i think that would mean you're you're born and then you're locked into a white room for your whole life yeah. do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah because you know literally a room with nothing in it and then they say come up with an idea because i think every outside uh your environment everything i think affects your you know, you're, you're thinking. Inspiration by osmosis, isn't it, almost? Yeah. So I, I definitely think, uh, yeah, I don't, I, 
everything is like caused by something and you might like a, a curve in that but not remember it was from that piece of furniture and then later down mm. the line you think of uh, this curve in a piece of furniture would be nice but actually you probably saw that curve somewhere else um the one thing i don't think is good is obviously if you you know blatantly uh, copy someone else's but add a chamfer in a different area you know <laughs> um so that that I don't, you know, because some people, you know, there's a phrase every, what is it? Every artist steals. Oh, there's a famous quote that every artist, something every artist steals. Um, I know the quote you mean, but I can't think of. Yeah, I, something. Oh, yeah. But something like good artists, good artists borrow, but great artists steal. There's some, it's some. Yes, yeah, I think it's that. And, you know, I think, yeah, that must be it. Uh, and also there's a book being made that is called still like an artist which I, yeah i totally agree with because i think people look at the word still too literally they're not literally saying copy that and just paint it a different color you know they're they're saying you know get inspiration from that curve or that type of armrest and you know evolve it into something else um so where was i going with that a lot of my stuff is like is unique um but it's inspired by different makers so uh i'm a big fan of hans j wegner and his you'll you you might not you might not be able to picture it now but his you'll definitely recognize his chair like uh the shell chair and the wishbone chair and mm. um even charles and raheem's lounge chair is uh was yeah, an inspiration I, I for one of those. as well yeah so my Hawthorne chair, if you saw that, that was inspired by Hans Wegner. And I don't think any of his chairs look like the Hawthorne chair, but they have similar processes like a bent laminated back uh, and a Danish cord seat, you know. So I get inspiration like that, seeing, oh, I like he used Danish cord. And he didn't invent Danish cord, but, you know, his, you've got that sort of uh, Scandinavian you know, influence um and then he uses bent lamination so i thought when i was designing that chair i wanted to create something with a bit of danish cord bit bit of bent lamination and then at that point i start sketching you know uh um i kind of like limit where i want to go so i also do a lot that's sort of based on a lot of processes so if i want to design a table i think about what processes i want to try out or experiment with so i do a lot of bent lamination but let's just go with that let's say i want to add a bit of bent lamination for a table then i'll literally just start i'll either look at other tables see what they've done uh see what people done and then just draw a table and then draw over the top curves everywhere you know mm -hmm. um i've rec i've encouraged people to create a mood board of lots of different designs they have and then put a piece of tracing paper over the designs they like and it's you just trace a new design on top of it but once you've got all you know the the dimensions are the same and the ergonomic back is the same it's not the same chair you're just sort of copying proportions and then maybe curving the armrest a bit more or changing the height of the back you know you can you can make some unique stuff you know based on other designs you know so that's what what i've done in the past um yeah that's, that's that sounds to me very much like the kind of approach that design technology teachers will try and get their their students to take it's something i've seen 
teachers yeah. that I've worked with in the past sort of doing. And I think if the fact that you're, I think I think it's great, and I, I think the fact that you're still sort of taking that approach, I think actually is testament to the fact that the quality of the teaching that is happening in, in some schools in the UK with regard to sort of technology, and you know thinking about those sort of techniques that actually, yeah, they're really good, valid techniques, and yeah. I think certainly I think perhaps those of us of a certain age perhaps didn't necessarily get that or or you know if if school is a long time gone you kind of forget actually some of those things that you were taught yeah and i think i think it's, it's possibly i think i i may be speaking out of turn but i think if for, for you at your age it's still relatively close in time and you went from you know school to sort of you know study to furniture manufacturing yeah. as kind of a full-time study yeah and then into now kind of you know, making stuff for clients and for yourself i think that you haven't lost some of that good early technique of kind of planning and thinking due yeah. to kind of having spent you know, 10 years working in a, a, a furniture factory yeah, not, just banging out cabinets industry. working in an office We'll yeah, I think that. a lot of the stuff they they hone in education is mood boards, like whatever you're doing, if you're doing textiles, pottery, any creative subjects, they say mood board, mood board, mood board. Uh, the, 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 the tracing technique, now I, I'm not saying I, uh, I'm sure someone else has done that before, but that was my own sort of interjection. I, I, I'm not going to say I came up with it, but that was my own idea of, okay, now I have this mood board, why don't I put a piece of tracing paper on top of it? So I, I agree with, you know, the, the education gives you like the, the foundations, but you're allowed to, you know, uh, develop it. Like that's why. Oh, totally. The, totally. Yeah, the tracing paper. Um, Tools yeah, techniques, I, isn't it? Yeah. To, to make it your own. I don't think the, the stealing aspect is, is taught right though. You know, uh, I think, you know, I see, <laughs> I've seen people say, I'm going to borrow your idea. But that's not boring. Borrow, <laughs> borrow doesn't. Are make you going to give it back? <laughs> yeah, it's just I've seen someone say, "I'm going to borrow your idea," but we borrowing means you take and give it back. You're not going to give them the piece of furniture you made. I just don't. So I think the whole thing with stealing, stealing is a scary word. You know that's why people say borrow. But actually, the yeah. borrowing actually is the stealing because when someone says they're borrowing something, that actually means you're copying blatantly what they're doing you know yeah. you don't want to say stealing um but the stealing aspect is actually i don't i don't no one's gonna say to you know i'm just gonna steal your idea because that just doesn't happen you know you know they say they'll say borrow so i think if they were if you're taught stealing in a way that actually you're not stealing you're being inspired you're you know looking at all these chairs what do you like about them i like all the armrests on this i'm gonna mm merge them all together that's not stealing but it's semantics of... isn't it you you you're yeah. taking the idea which you know that it's whether it's theft or borrowing or using it as inspiration or whatever it is you're taking someone's idea and using it to create something else yeah exactly you know, it's it's yeah like you said there's no there's no short snappy way of of saying that other yeah. than saying it wrong you know yeah and i think anyone that is saying you're, well, I was going back to saying that 
everything. Even even if you didn't create a mood board and you, you think you've just drawn something on a piece of paper from thin air, you probably were inspired by something else, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think it happens. You just got to embrace it, you know. You got to like maybe intentionally do it instead of because if 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 your logic at the end of the road is whatever I make is going to be in, it would have been inspired by something in my life. You know, if you grew up around brown furniture, if you grew, around, grew up around something else, you'll be inspired by that. So if you know in the end nothing's unique, then embrace it. You Then just look at everyone's work and make something that yeah. you like, you know. I think there's a fantastic documentary I've, I've talked about before. It's, a, it's like a, a three-part kind of half an hour documentary that was released in 10-minute chunks on YouTube called Everything's a Remix. And it goes into that kind of thing of like, you know, Bauhaus industrial design stuff and film stuff and music stuff and, and those kind of things of, of taking inspiration from other things that are, you know, well-established brands or, you know, that kind of thing. I think it's, it's like you say, it's, it's just kind of the way we are. We, we, we see stuff and hear stuff and sense these things that make new ideas happen. That's just kind of how how we function as creatures and to try and to try and deny that i think there's a difference between taking something as inspiration and making something new from it and just the people on instagram who will copy someone else's video steal the content and then place it on their own i think that that's where you know it is very much a case of stealing content but it's not yeah you know taking someone's idea of of their design and making your version of it i think it's yeah yeah it's, it's not the complete copy in someone else's homework yeah yeah i'm not condoning i i want to stress i'm not saying you know do <laughs> steal someone's idea i'm talking about you know obviously being inspired by it but i still the people... inspiration of it yeah yeah that's that's a good way some someone some people have actually stolen my ideas before but like completely a copy um like it wasn't inspired by as in like they were inspired to re replicate exactly what i've made you know so <laughs> even signing you know, your name at the bottom <laughs> <laughs> like they've done that and as long i think you know if you want to make it for yourself you know in your own workshop for yourself that's cool but i think obviously if you're not if you're then selling it then that gets a little bit like mm, maybe not you know because then you're stealing someone's product that's the issue with, you know, if you've got a business and you're on you on YouTube, obviously I want to inspire people. I want to, you know, like in, teach people how I make my things so then they can learn mm. processes to make their own projects. But you do have the, you know, the risk of it's your business. You know, if you come up with a cool design, then my best if a bigger company is going to take your idea. Well, Bernie, it, Bernie Solo uh, had that with his sort of sprocket fidget spinner. Yeah. He produced this amazing, you know, brass and stainless steel sprocket, a you know, fidget toy. Yeah. And yeah, within weeks, couple of months, yeah, it was being sold on, yeah, Far Eastern market type sites for a fraction of the cost that he could make it at, because yeah. he was hand machining it, and yeah, they were literally, and it, they, it was identical. Because he'd shown well, every yeah. stage of the manufacture in his kind of Instagram and, and YouTube, and yeah, just I didn't see that. Uh, it's scary, it, isn't it? It's it's difficult to kind of combat 
but then yeah, yeah, some people some people will want Bernie's handmade one, and they'll pay that bit more because Bernie made it. Yeah, and they, they want to support him as a uh, as, as maker. They also want something they know has been produced uh, by hand by somebody who's taking care and love, who designed it, and yeah, is producing it in a. How should we put it? A, a a good environment, rather than perhaps being produced in essentially slave conditions by you know, people using very dangerous machinery. Yeah, um, but then some people just want the cheapest possible thing because we have that culture now of, oh yeah, I'll, I I want this and I want it tomorrow and I want it as cheap as possible. Yeah, and not necessarily prepared to wait. But I think I think you're right with kind of yeah, it that I, the whole point of inspiration it, it it's. We're always inspired by everything around us. I, and I, I think kind of yeah, going back to the kind of catalogue, I've always found the kind of yeah, because I'd taken time to look at all the different things that could be bought, you have that kind of, oh yeah, well that can work with this. And I think people who go to you know, museums and they spend time going around looking at kind of you know, what other people have made or whether like with furniture, you know, going to national trusts houses and, and looking at how you know i mean that's going to i was just going to say sort of 17th century but yeah national trust covers everything from you know thousand years old to 50 years old you know depending on you know, the nature of the place you go to and i think taking in all those different little things i think i i, I wonder perhaps those people who don't do that maybe have less inspired ideas yeah it's yeah. andy Berkey, isn't it it's the see more make better you know it's the, yeah. the consume ideas and take inspiration from it that's a good phrase i know that it's a little it's like uh i say follow as many people on instagram as you know as possible you know don't you know the more people on instagram because obviously i'm not encouraging people to stay on social media you know the whole day but just naturally just you know scrolling through your feed if you're following as many makers as possible you're going to see things that inspire you um yeah. so do you mostly follow kind of furniture sort of channels or do you kind of try yeah. to with other i follow yeah the majority about 95 percent of the people that i follow will be uh make uh woodworkers um but then i have a couple of you know like entertainers i'm i like watching you know uh you know comedians or something um mm. or tennis players i love tennis so i follow a few tennis players yeah <laughs> are you purely uh just makers or no 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 completely mix. mix of everything yeah. yeah follow quite a lot of uh photography channels because i like my photography as well so I, I, yeah yes the most photographers and makers perhaps here yeah, and, and quite a few artists quite a few artists like uh, uh also makers <laughs> yeah kind of yeah. uh food I, I think i've got quite a quite a breadth yeah. of i watch I a lot of food videos yeah the majority probably are makers just but i think just because of the way my kind of instagram particularly sort of developed and you know, how the kind of yeah you know, the community kind of you kind of you find people and, and then you kind of find other people in the same thing yeah. so, don't think there's any sports people. Oh, a couple of climbers. 
Yeah, but apart from cup climbers, I don't think there's any sports people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not really oh, a sports guy, like it's only tennis to be honest. You know, people if you ask me out of football, I wouldn't have a clue what you're talking about. Nice, I, I, or, or rugby, but tennis, yeah. Actually, I'm funny enough, only... you might have seen a, a dart sport in my workshop. Um yes. recently got a dart sport and I'm not good. As an I went through a phase where if you watch my Instagram stories. I played a bit of darts every day and I was I was posting, you know, like my best throw a day. Did you see that? Or <laughs> missed that. But yeah, but I got some like good scores. You've got to be so consistent with it, you know, like I haven't played in a while and I'm terrible. Uh, but there was, I, you know, I got into darts for a little period and, and watched it, you know, like actually on TV and I was like, oh, getting into it. But now it's just like on my glue break or if I just waiting for something to dry. <laughs> Chuck a chuck the old sticks. <laughs> it's a bit, it's a bit of fun. I, I, I love the idea of a work. of a glue break. <laughs> oh, I have a few of those, funny enough. <laughs> yeah, a glue break twenty four hours while the while the wood glue is dry. I chuck some <laughs> chuck some darts. <laughs> Just a glue break. Yeah. I haven't played darts for years. Uh, me neither. I think the only I think the only sports stuff on my Instagram is is people who pick up heavy things and put them down again. Just the big, you know, gorilla types. Um, Eddie Hall and the like. Yeah. yeah. All those, you know, the strong. Have you seen stuff. the timber sports? The steel timber sports. Oh my god, yes. Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> I wouldn't mind going to one of those <laughs> events, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I'm so glad we represented us woodworkers in, in a sporting environment. <laughs> Are they woodworkers though? Probably lumberjacks or something, you know. Well, it it's... depends on how 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 refined you want to make the wood the term woodworker. I mean, that, that's, that's always a, a point Speed of discussion, isn't it? What's the difference between a carpenter and a woodworker and a joiner and a yeah well, cabinet yeah, they, maker? They and... Woodworkers, then yeah. Yeah, they 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 manipulate they use tools and they do things with wood yeah. they're, they're a woodworker yeah. it's uh I, I, I think that's definitely one for kind of sort of argument but yeah i mean it's just phenomenal yeah what some of these people are doing yeah they've got like yeah racing chainsaws yeah i also <laughs> see the one where they're standing on top of the log i'm not sure if you've seen they're standing on top of the log and they've got an axe and they're like yeah throwing the, the axe yeah. down and they're spitting the log in between their two legs uh, two feet yeah and they're going back and forth you know because they've got to get it from each side i've never seen an accident but surely someone has to have hit their foot once oh absolutely yeah uh totally yeah, will be. maybe i should I go on youtube I, and... I know those axes are razor sharp too oh yeah yeah i think it's little miss chainsaw i think is the name on um on instagram and uh, she's up in the northwest, and she's doing timber sport. So she she's quite often practicing with this like massive silver axe head, uh, and just you know just absolutely sailing through these logs, uh, you know doing um, doing exactly that. And it's, wow. it's just phenomenal to see just the yeah, my... just the pace that you can cut through something like that. Yeah, I've seen that the I the chainsaw they use for the you know the speed cutting the cross cut I've got for my sawmill 
it is so heavy so i know like what they're lifting but then you've got the ones that i'm not sure are in the timber sports they might be but i've definitely seen them online in like you know these county fairs where they do sort of chainsaw racing but it's like a i'm not sure if you've seen them it's like the engine is like a car engine with you know it's it's not like one you buy off the shelf it is like a man-made chainsaw and then two guys are lifting this this car engine with basically a chainsaw coming out of it and then they it cuts it in like under a second you know this huge tree yeah. have you seen that yeah. you see when because when, they'll they'll uh that where well, they'll like drop it through first and then they'll pull back up as yeah. well to do both yeah that's just yeah it's ridiculous <laughs> yeah it is also the loudness one one thing people mm. don't know about me on youtube is i'm deaf in one ear so i like anything loud um because i feel like oh that that's that must be what it's like you know for normal people <laughs> <laughs> like so chainsaws you know like um let me think of i like going i went to an air show once where they had a fighter jet you know just like flying low over and that was the coolest thing ever just like hearing the sound that. you can feel <laughs> yeah on the yeah. ground yeah i love hearing that and it was like fireworks it's like big fan of fireworks i think probably is stems back i've always when i was a kid loved fireworks but i'm now probably realizing it's probably because of the sound you know feeling mm. it uh i like hearing something well uh, so like if you went to you know like a, a concert or something being close to the speaker so that you can feel the bass and things like that i suppose it's a similar sort of thing isn't it it is exactly that the, the i am also a little bit paranoid though because now I, i've only got one uh, you know good ear i obviously want to preserve it um yeah. and i get these these doctor's appointments yearly on you know checking up on uh how my ear is and uh, they t they they tell me about like safe hearing levels obviously woodwork is not a good profession for me you know <laughs> so nope. always wearing my ear defenders um but it's surprising to hear what your the safe limit is for a human ear and they were mm -hmm. telling me how like an underground the, the london tube is way above the safe limit uh or you know for a human ear um but the amount i use it you know or a standard person is fine but a worker there you know if you're working in the lunch mm. tube they said you're mm. gonna go deaf a lot earlier than uh other people when you're yeah because you know a lot they have a lot of that kind of thing don't they for, for a certain uh decibel level for X number yeah. of minutes before it's you have them down. And... Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also talking about uh, yeah, safe levels is I'm not sure if any of you have um, uh, ear defenders that are Bluetooth, you know, you've got you know, music like ISO tunes or anything like mm. that. Do any of you have? I haven't got ear defenders, so I've got I've, I've got like noise cancelling headphones and and various sorts yeah. of Bluetooth things, but my my ear defenders I use um the 3m peltier threes yes i've got, got the, that the, the, yeah. good, yeah. i the love the minus 32 de the 32 decibel protection yeah the yellow is like a light green I... uh red the ones i've got red okay i've got the light light green one yeah i, I really like the 3m ones they're like quite thin but i was saying about the the bluetooth this is goes with all headphones actually is one thing that is not taught about you can see i'm quite passionate about this <laughs> one thing that people that that is just i don't think it should be taught in school to be honest headphones 
is people are listening to it way too loud. <laughs> you know. Oh, I, absolutely. I yeah. listened. I actually, uh, her, my girlfriend was telling me this weekend actually that uh, she read an article about our generation. You know that with you know the headphone generation is going to go deaf way earlier mm. because if you think about one thing that I kind of tell myself or when I talk to people about it is if you think about how loud the sound is in your headphone just imagine you weren't wearing headphones and that was the, the volume of the room you were in yeah that would be definitely you wouldn't be able to hear anyone else yeah. speak you know and that speaker is right next to your ear um and that's why I was going with ear defenders it's probably even worse because it's an ear defender well actually you can probably you can turn the, it down the, yeah especially with things like the isotunes the um the levels that they have to meet for eu regulations versus uh us for osha regulations um they actually have different levels of uh of, of volume that they'll put out so specifically for the isotunes if you buy the american versions they go louder uh than the eu versions uh there are quite a level on them yeah well like yeah i definitely uh won't be you know raising the volume too high especially if it's you know soundproof if if, if you if you've got the you know the the natural uh ear defender protection whatever you call that then you don't mm. need it to be too high because you can't hear the outside yeah uh, it starts becoming a problem after the walkman came out that's sort of the sony walkman first appeared because there was no kind of recognition of yeah that, that exact thing yeah it, you've got that continuous exposure to high volumes and i yeah. think it was france that first instigated a thing where they insisted that there was a limit on how loud it could be um yeah. by the manufacturer so that it, they kind of rec they worked out kind of what a safe level was and then they brought that in place and I, I think I've, I've got that, some that can't be that yeah, can't be I've, on all I've, headphones now. That that safe. Yeah, I'm not sure. Mm. I'm not sure. I think you. I I certainly had at least one pair of headphones or earbuds that would not go above a certain level. It would kind of just beep. But I've got other ones yeah. that will go much louder. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I don't know if the, that's kind of you know, depend on where they are. Some manufacturers want to sell everywhere, but they don't want to have different versions for different places. Do know. your ears ring? like after a long time wearing headphones or is that just a no my my I hearing got, my, that used to happen my hearing is, is totally <laughs> shot um, yeah i'm not but yeah deaf, it gets quite painful but i certainly yeah. have, i have hearing damage because i i yeah it, i was in school in the 80s secondary school in the 80s and it was loud discos and it was the cool thing to stand next to the, the speakers and then oh yeah my ears are still ringing the next day yay there must be a good <laughs> disco yeah yeah. So yeah, they don't. Really my dad's a musician, them. so yeah, minor. Uh, there's really? dips in certain frequencies. Yeah, I, I actually bought. Um, you you might have seen them uh, like on the adverts on Instagram and stuff, but the loop buds that are. Mm. No, I haven't seen the, the, They're essentially it's like um like a ring, but then with a normal earbud on the side, and the instead of being completely you know sound isolating the idea is for that they've got a, an audio channel through them but it attenuates the sound down so that you can you can put these in in like noisy environments you know if you like you say like on the tube or something and what it does is it reduces the overall volumes but it still lets the uh the voice through 
so you can have a conversation with someone, but it just overall reduces uh, other sounds. They're about there's different versions of them. They range from about fifteen quid to about thirty quid. But oh, so it's not—it's little... not like to listen to music. It's just to lower the volume, it's, the outside. Yeah, yeah. It's literally—it's it's the same as having like uh, ear defenders, uh, or you know the the. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not not the over the, over the ear cans. It's the the push-in ones, but they just look yeah. like a pair of Bluetooth headphones. But they're they're just like this fancy little ring thing that's got this uh, this audio mm. channel, and they've 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 got different versions for uh, different frequency ranges depending on the audio channel. So. You know, there's a specific one that's marketed for like stay-at-home parents with young children, <laughs> so that it, it it attenuates the the frequency ranges that become problematic for background noise, so that you can still you know focus and carry on with your day and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I got oh, the no. got those a couple of weeks ago, and they're, they're really really cool. Okay, that, that that is cool for for people. With, Have you seen? Yeah. There's these glasses that uh, I think they probably. Not sure if they fizzled out or they just stopped their marketing, but uh, there's these sunglasses that um, play music. Have you seen these? With the that have the uh, the bone conduction. Bone conduction, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot of people so think cool. they're just like a speaker on the side, but it's uh, yeah goes channels through your bone. Like when I do my hearing test, they they put a little sort of a headset where there's not actually a pad on my ear, but it's just. Uh, this like vibrator thingy that they they just like put on the bone behind your ear because mm -hmm. that lets in like most of the sound believe it or not um and uh they test my hearing for not my ear but the bone <laughs> behind my ear which i find quite interesting that's really uh, cool yeah yeah bone conduction stuff's really really weird because it's been used in diving for years um well and military yeah yeah and military as well yeah but for that reason for for allowing sound through the ear canal but without uh you know blocking what's what else is going on that's yeah. okay it's witchcraft <laughs> uh, some would say medical science but <laughs> magic science yeah it's, it's the phrase yeah any advanced advanced technology will appear witchcraft to yeah, yeah. indistinguishable from magic yeah <laughs> Uh, we should probably move on to kind of attention grabbers. Um, so that's the point where we sort of think about things that we've been um, mentioned to the audience, the things we've been hmm. has been grabbing our attention in the sort of the, the, the past, or is about to grab our attention if it's something we're planning towards. Um, so normally let the guests go first. You can many as okay. you want, as 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 wide and varied as you like. Yeah, it's not it's not woodworking related. Um, Doesn't have to be. If any of you have got uh, Netflix, yep. Well, have you been watching either uh, Dharma or have you watched yeah. Dharma? About it's the it's a series on no, Jeffrey Dahmer. I have heard about it. Yeah. yeah, well, if you like sort of creepy, sinister. <laughs> uh, um, Drama is it drama? Is that the right word? Obviously, it's based on true story. It's a true story, but um, yeah. but no, it's really it's really gripping, really good, well acted. Like this is the first uh, big role for this, like the main character, you know. And uh, but yeah, Dharma's really good. I just finished that, uh, and The Watcher on Netflix as well. I quite like series. Um, you know, after I like a long day in the workshop, 
watch an episode of a series and then go to bed. Um, but Watcher is about, it's actually based on the true story, I think. Um, I, none of you watched The Watcher? No. no okay, so that? I'll give no, you, I'll give you a, a brief, I try not to ruin it. But... Synopsis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's pretty good, actually. So it's about this really nice house, mansion, out from the New York, you know, in the countryside somewhere. And this new couple, this new family go into it. And this family, not this family, this, the house has a bit of history. You don't know what the history is, you know. Uh, and then all the neighbours around it sort of protect this house and, like, uh, look after it and don't want it to be changed at all. They don't want any renovation. You know, you, you come in, you worship the house, you know, you respect the house, you know. Um, so hopefully I'm, it's a bit creepy. Um, so basically, it seemed like the dream house when, you know, they had the viewing. As soon as they get in the house, they notice something's not right. They're being watched. You know, every window in the house, if you look out the window, it goes directly to like a window of an opposite house. So wherever you are in the house, someone can see in, you know. Um, there's not like a bit in the house that is hidden. Um, so people are watching them. I don't want to give too much away. They're getting letters in the post, creepy letters in the post about, you know, you know, about things that they're doing. You know, we, I hope Emma enjoyed her music practice or something. I don't know, you know, like really creepy stuff. There's also a tunnel in the basement that they don't know about, you know, that connects them to the neighbours' nice. uh, properties. And and bear in mind, this is actually based on a true story. So it's not actually oh, no what way. that's even that's even more creepy. It's not just like a fantasy thing. Yeah. This is mm. this is and basically what you kind of what I was wondering while I was watching it is it seemed like a very clever um uh what do you call it? Very clever plot? plan pl yeah, plot by the mm. neighbours to basically what it seems like, I don't think this is happening. Uh, I've already watched, I want to give it away, but it seems like what they do is they get someone to buy the house for a lot of money. They scare them away and they make them sell it uh, to one of them. Then one of them will buy it uh, very cheaply because no one wants to buy it because they mm. hear, heard about all the, these hauntings. So they sell it cheaply. Then they, then sell it again for a lot of money. And then basically all these, the village is profiting from this one house. It seems like that they're just scaring people out, selling it for a lot again, scaring people out. And there's just that cycle. I'm not saying that is what's happening, but that's what <laughs> it looks like is happening. Um, mm. But, you know, highly recommend that. The Watcher and Dharma. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Jamie, what about you? It's been grabbing your attention uh, Ian Atkinson, uh, off of Leotis Leather. He's uh, he's been away for a while. He, he was uh, moving house. Well, I was going to say at the start of this year, but um, it was an ongoing saga for a while. But uh, he's just started releasing some videos again of his sort of renovations and rebuilding his new workshop and that sort of thing. Um, and it's just it's really nice, interesting stuff because he, he takes a very methodical sort of approach to things and he's been um sort of introduced me to a new technology this weird crazy 
wireless light switch and stuff that doesn't require oh, any batteries. I saw that, yeah. Which is just cool. Um, but yeah, he, he just does, you know, he does like a little bit of woodwork, a little bit of metal work, and then loads of leather work uh, just in general. But it's, it's just kind of, he's renovating this new house, just doing little bits and bobs, and taking a very, very precise, methodical approach to it. Um, but he's, he's a lovely guy as well. So he's uh, nice. been sort of enjoying watching a few of his videos that have, uh, have come out in the last couple of weeks. Do you like uh, home renovation videos? It's hit and miss. Sometimes it's a, it's a nice indulgence, and sometimes it's I'm sort of skipping through it to find you know that that one bit that I need a bit of information. So, you know, I so. uh, I found this Instagram page recently. Now you know Dick and Dom, you know the mm -hmm. the kids entertainers. You know, I always like it when a non woodworker or a celebrity finds our wonderful you know yep. uh, passion we all have for uh, woodworking or making basically he has an instagram uh, page oh let's see if i can find it i highly recommend you watching that actually i uh, i have seen some of the stuff actually you've yeah seen you're right it, basically, yeah. Pretty good, yeah. He, he just does he's like he's good at it though he's he, mm -hmm. he's renovating his house and um do you know what's, how do i search do you know Oh, there we go. Do you know what it would be called? Don. I can't remember. There we go. It's called the underscore house of wood. And it's basically, I'm not sure if it is. It's Dom. Yeah, I was about to say, which one is it? It's Dom. <laughs> it's the same as that. There's no dis <laughs> differentiation between the two. Yeah. Yeah. But basically, yeah, he does lots of videos on renovating his house and he's doing a good job and he's learning as he's going. And you can kind of, mm. it's quite cool seeing a celebrity. Um, getting into it and rather than just paying somebody else yeah and he's yeah. getting dirty he's doing everything he's he's doing his garden he's doing his house and he's and he's actually it looks like he's doing a good job and obviously he's got a bit of money so he can in between his gigs you know he can take his time and and not rush it you know so yeah. it looks like he's actually researching the best way to do molding and he's you know doing it himself because he enjoys doing it not to save money he doesn't need to save money does he so yeah. that's quite cool to see yeah nice mm. how about you andy what's been grabbing your attention man uh what's been grabbing my attention this week well talking of the house renovations i've been uh resealing some of our upvc windows yeah it's coming <laughs> some of them it's the silicone's you know, dried out or cracked a little bit so the house moves and so working the way around the house doing those we've got some of that coming up on tuesday with with some of the the indoor rain that we've got in my workshop we've got the, the guys coming out to reseal a bit of mine yeah I, i'm doing it myself it's yeah it's, it's fairly straightforward it's in the inside the roof outside. that i can't get to yeah the, the only window that i'm worried about is the one on the landing because it's kind of the top the top corner on one side of course is well over the stairs the one mm. side's all right, it's above the landing, flat landing, but the other side is kind of above the stairs. So I'm not quite sure how I'm going to reach to that corner to get the old silicone out and to put fresh. Well, the fresh in isn't too much a problem because probably you might be able to reach with the silicone gun. <laughs> Stretch with the gun. Might not be able to cork it. Yeah, have to cork it with a <laughs> stick. Um, so doing that, uh, tidying the tinkerage. So. Our patrons will see a picture I can actually get to one of my benches. Um, those before and after on the Instagram for patrons only, uh, so they can sort of check that out. 
And apart from that, uh, sort of TV-wise, I finished this week watching or re-watching mostly. There were some I had missed. The classic Doctor Who. So got up to McGann and watched the film. So that's all. I've been watching that on BritBox. My youngest, mostly, although I'm now ahead because I didn't have to go to school. Um, so that's that's been quite nice catching up with that. So I might start on the the new Doctor Who and watch all those again. I never really um, watched a ton of it. I remember all I know is I really like David Tennant. You know, or, uh, as Doctor he's a good Who. Doctor. He was a good Doctor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, I, I just like David Tennant in anything. Yeah, this, I mean that's a fairly good stance to take i think yeah i remember yeah. when i was i only watched a few doctors actually but i remember mm. i was much younger when it uh came on but the weeping angels episode if it is an episode or if it, I, I see i don't even know if they, they, like, they, come, they come back repeatedly they come back yeah. yeah but there was one episode where they were haunting a lot um and it was so scary i was so scared of these like blinking or turning away and they got closer to you Never found the Daleks that scary because uh, they're just like robots, and I thought they were cool, and I wanted to make one, uh, make, make a Dalek <laughs> costume. Um, but the Weeping Angels, yeah, and the Scarecrows were quite good characters, I think. Uh, as yeah, oh, there you go, fine furniture Dalek. Now you can buy those two. Yeah, uh, walnut. Get some, <laughs> get, some, get some Dalek. Get some Dalek inspiration into your next coffee table. Well, they do actually have a lot of texturing on it, so you could get some inspiration. Yeah. They've got lots of domes around it and and stuff. Yeah. Stay tuned. <laughs> Wicked. Where's where's best place for people to find you, Sean? Best place to find me is yeah online uh, on YouTube and Instagram, Sean Evely. Uh, Instagram, I think Sean underscore Evely. YouTube is Sean Evely, which I think YouTube now are doing this weird atting thing. They're, they're copying all yeah, the social media. Yeah. So it's now at Sean Evely, I think. Um, but yeah, you'll find me. And my website is SeanEvely.com. So pretty, pretty easy. Yeah. Very nice. Right. It's been I'm an not on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> not many of us <laughs> yeah, no, no one's going to be on Twitter so soon, apart from Trump. Yeah, yeah, and Musk. Yeah, and their their fans. Yeah, let's not get political. Let's almost yeah, let's, let's not go let's, down let's, that, let's go that route. Yeah, let's, let's end on a high note at least. <laughs> yeah. I, well, it's well, been, it's been lovely chatting me. to you. It's been absolutely yeah. lovely chatting to you. It's, it's been, been a pleasure, Sean. Yeah. yeah been, oh, well, I talk a lot. I think. You know, when I was doing, when I do my podcast, I always like it when the guest is, uh, they talk a lot and then I, I don't need to do any work, you know, because it's like, yeah. an they, keep, they, they keep talking, but I'm not sure if <laughs> maybe I went too far with that logic. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's worked out great tonight. Yeah. 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 Been a lovely chat. Yeah, so yeah, yeah we'll, uh, we'll look forward to seeing the things that you produce over the next few years because you, you know, you're at the the mm. relatively start of your career and uh, yeah i think i mean you're just, already just producing fantastic us. things yeah i think you're producing fantastic <laughs> things and remember i will yeah. well i'll be back on them if you let me absolutely um, yeah absolutely yeah, and we'll, we'll see you at maker central hopefully it's yeah, yeah it's been announced mm -hmm. i think Soon the next thing that's coming out channel wise um well, as in, I've got you know projects. I've got a dog gate coming soon, um, but the flat pack stuff will be cool. 
and actually teaser of a project. I'm not sure when I'm going to make this, but I just come up with a new design of a chair I'm really excited about. I just don't know when I'll find the time to make it because it's obviously not a commission. It's a personal project. So it really had to be when I'm doing nothing. Um, but basically, uh, long story short, it's basically a completely cut like a power carved chair, you know. Uh, so nice. lots of laminated wood up and then power carved back and and probably a steam bent armrest that turns into the front leg so the front leg will come up turn into the armrest wrap around and then go back down and then you know so bit of curves bit of power carving that i haven't done before but maybe that'll be on the channel in the next year or something <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, look forward to it you can tell us all about it when you're next on then yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, I've, I've set a deadline now. Next year, I'll yeah. try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll get in the diary now, and we'll see. Yeah, so you've got to know when to. Uh, yeah. So once we once we go off air, we'll uh, we'll sort out the diary, and when you you back on, and when you've got to get your project done by. So yeah. <laughs> I need that to be honest. I need uh, time in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on that note, we'll say goodbye to so uh, people listening today, and uh, yeah. Thank you. It's been a, it's been a really great chat. So, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Bye, folks. See you later, folks. Ciao.